Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin here, our number 877 It's amazing how Washington works, or better said, doesn't work. They impeached twice the President of the United States who never violated the Constitution or any law. Who never committed high crimes and misdemeanors, no matter how you describe them. They unleash a criminal investigation against him to try and take him out with a special counsel whose staff is filled with Democrats who are trying to take out the sitting president. All these entities in Washington, these American Marxist Democrat Party, Democrat supporting entities, they work with collaborators in the FBI, the bigger Department of Justice, collaborators in the intelligence agencies the federal judges who work on the on the FISA courts bend over backwards to assist them even when they're told that something nasty is going on by landmark legal foundation they blow us off the whole system in Washington DC focused concentrated on taking out Donald Trump This same political party circles the wagons around Joe Biden. He and his family are corrupt. His son is corrupt. They've had their hands in the till of foreign governments, including the enemy, communist China. They have surrendered so many national security elements to fascistic Russia, communist China, the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran, and so forth. Unilaterally, they have gutted our energy independence. They've gutted our immigration system. 
They're gutting our financial system. Tonight the House is going to vote on this outrageous bill. The first half was voted on by the House and the Senate, including 19 Republicans in the Senate. That would include Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, among others. And it goes on and on and on. Joe Biden ought to have a special counsel investigating he and his family's ties. We have information that came out that he had a joint account with his son Hunter, who in my view is corrupt up to his eyeballs. That didn't cause any alarms, apparently. His son Hunter, sort of the bag man, if you will, for other family members, his brother, Joe's older brother, involved in nefarious activities, in my view. No investigations, no outcry. Conservatives, we talk among ourselves, but beyond that, nothing. Very little. Very little at all. Then we have this man who's a congressman from Arizona. His name is Gosar. I don't know him personally. He was on my show once many years ago. It's conservative. He put some kind of whatever you want to call it, it's not a cartoon, but cartoonish clip on social media, anime, uh, about AOC. And people interpret it as killing AOC. They were a particularly good move. And so the House Democrats and two Republicans, guess who they are? Liz Cheney and Adam Kingsinger. Vote to censure him and remove him from committees. Censure him and remove him from committees for posting what he did. You have Omar and Talib and AOC and others who said the most hateful things about millions of American citizens who are Jewish. They say the most hateful, racist things about white people. They call it reverse racism. I don't call it reverse racism. Racism is racism. And you see it throughout the media, including with Joy Reid, who is who's the worst of the worst, I believe. Talib wasn't censored. Omar wasn't censored. AOC wasn't censored. There's a congresswoman by the name of Boart who went to the floor of the House and said, wait a minute. We have a Democrat member of the House of Representatives who serves on the Intelligence Committee who has worked to impeach Donald Trump more than twice. Who slept with a communist spy. And rather than censure him, Nancy Pelosi keeps him on the Intelligence Committee and defends him and protects him. This is what's going on in our country even beyond Representative Gosar. Two standards. Two standards. One that applies to Democrats and American Marxists, and one applies to everybody else. Everybody else has to look over their shoulder. Everybody else has to worry if they're being seen in public without a mask. Everybody else has to carry a a vaccine passport around. By the way, no voter ID. That would be obviously racist. 
Vaccine passports compelled, a voter ID like a driver, that's obviously racist. Meanwhile, they're constantly found not wearing masks. They're constantly found cutting corners when it comes to ethics and the law. Whether whether they're feather bettering, betting their uh, their children's finances through campaign funds like Waters and all kinds of money going into the family like the Bidens. So what? So what? Right. Anyway, I wasn't even intending to leave with this, but I started to think about it at the opening of the show. Now, I want to get into something that affects each and every one of you. The price of fuel, and it's even bigger than that. The price of fuel. Joe Biden is now saying he wants the oil companies investigated because he's concerned that they're gouging the consumer. He's doing that because he knows that that kind of demagoguery and propaganda works. It works because people have been trained and brainwashed. I hate the oil companies. Why? It's beyond belief to me. Since they do all the dirty work and their employees do all the dirty work to provide us with fuel so we can warm ourselves, cool ourselves, drive wherever we want to drive and so forth and so on. In so many ways we use fuel. And when you look at the rest of the world, at least in the past, it's been done at a relatively reasonable cost. Now, when the government gets involved, it drives up the cost. It's the oil companies that want to drill on federal lands. It's the oil companies that want to drill off the coast. It's the oil companies that want to drill in Anwar in Alaska. It's the oil companies that want to build pipelines. It's the oil companies that want to get you gasoline and oil, propane, Because the more they sell, the more they make in terms of profits. It's the government that steps in the way with onerous regulations, massive taxes. And it's only gotten worse. It's only gotten worse. Pasaki was thrilled when prices were going up the other day because she thought that demonstrates how we're transitioning to, uh, you know, a Green New Deal. It's Biden who canceled the Keystone Pipeline. It's Biden who canceled Anwar. Millions and millions of acres. Donald Trump opened up. Biden closed them. It's Biden who's canceling oil leases and putting in place new regulations and threatening existing pipelines, not even newly uh, developing pipelines, but existing pipelines for closure than going to OPEC and begging for more oil. And now he has the nerve, the nerve to blame the oil companies. The oil companies. They're voting tonight on this monstrosity of a bill that's not just a monstrosity in terms of its cost, but we've discussed this at great length. I was the first to point out that what they're going to do is truncate the number of years for these massive new entitlements they're creating, And they know they're not going to be canceled. So rather than doing a 10-year cost, as they're supposed to do, they give you a one, two, three-year cost. Because they know they won't be canceled in future years. But these are massive drags on the economy, on your liberty, on your property rights. And this entire Green New Deal 
and climate change, as I've discussed, as I've written in American Marxism, at great length, is a degrowth movement. That's what it is. That's why you see prices going up. Not because the oil companies are trying to hoard oil or they won't drill. They're begging to drill. Those leases are being canceled. This administration is opposed to drilling. It's opposed to oil. It's opposed to fossil fuels. They've said it a thousand times. And now when the consequences just begin to kick in, they say the industry's ripping off. Investigate the industry. The industry's their target. It's their target. These are economic illiterates. They opposed the Industrial Revolution. They imposed all these things that have come out, these glorious advances that free market capitalism has created for the average American person. It is they who drive up prices. It is they who create the shortages in government. And if they pass this bill and the Senate follows, you ain't seen nothing yet. And you see the price of basics, food, just food, traveling to work, driving to Thanksgiving. And the airlines have already told us they're going to have to significantly increase their prices. Your salaries are increasing this fast. Your income's not increasing this fast. This is what central planning does, whether it's Venezuela or Cuba. This is what it does. It creates dislocation. It creates poverty. Where there was once wealth, wealth is destroyed because wealth is the target too. Successful people are the target. So when Biden now says, blame the oil companies. I want these agencies to investigate the oil companies. I think they're, they're scamming the people. Investigate them all you want. It's not going to bring down the price. And when we come back, Joe Biden is now blaming private companies for the port delays. Not the laws in the state of California that prevent independent operators from working, that only allow certain unions to work, and have the strictest environmental rules making so much of what needs to be done impossible. People have warned about this for decades. Now, according to Joe Biden, it's again the private sector's fault. They regulate it, they tax it. They prevent it from participating in certain activities, and then they, they attack it as a way not to have any responsibility for their actions. I'll explain this when we return. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? 
Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. You need to ask yourselves, folks, if it's the private sector's fault all the time and the government can't respond to public demand, why do they keep grabbing, grabbing, and grabbing more of our society, more of our culture, more of our businesses, more of our economic decisions? They demonstrate over and over again what a bunch of morons they are. And they whine and complain. The buck never stops with them. They steal trillions out of your pockets, out of the pockets of generations yet born, But the buck never stops with them. They're never responsible for anything. And if there's a problem, it's because we haven't spent enough money. If there's a problem, because it's you, you, the individual, you haven't surrendered enough of your liberty and your free will. If there's a problem, it's the founding fathers and the founding documents. If there's a problem, and you go on and on and on and on. So they just keep turning the screws to the public, to the individual, to the society. We are so far gone now from the constitutional republic. That was contemplated. I don't even know where the hell we're going. Do you? I know the arguments they're making. I know the ideology they embrace. I wrote about it. I've talked about it. Where are we going? Joe Biden blames private companies for port delays. That's our friends at Breitbart. President Joe Biden warned private companies that we're not doing enough to help alleviate clogged ship traffic and port delays. We need major retailers who order the goods and the freight movers who take the goods from the ships to factories and to stores to set up as well, to step up as well. Now, let's stop a second. Do you think freight companies want their freighters sitting offshore for weeks at a time? They're going to go broke. Do you think retailers going into the holiday season particularly don't want their shelves stocked fully, loaded with things that you're going to buy? This is all counterintuitive. Listen to what this man said. Time to step up. If you're Macy's or you're Walmart or you're McDonald's or you're Ernie Grabowski with a shoe store down the street or you own a 7-Eleven franchise, what are you supposed to do exactly? What are you supposed to do exactly? You're going to go to the West Coast? Or if you're on the West Coast, you're going to swim out to one of the freighters? What are you supposed to do? The whole thing is clogged up. You've got certain organized labor that controls what comes off the boat, certain organized labor on the boat, certain organized labor taking it on the trucks. And by the way, I'm not opposed to organized labor, except in the the, uh, teachers' unions. That I'm opposed to 100%. But that said, those are Joe Biden's buddies. Those are Newsom's buddies. What are they going to do about it? I'll be right back. An unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. You know, I heard a part of a clip of Brett Baer interviewing this John Carl um, in a book called Betrayal. 
Now, that title should tell you everything because it's focused mostly on Trump. The betrayal belongs to the media in this country. Among other things, I heard him told, uh, tell Brett Baer that uh, the Secretary of Defense at the time pulled up some regular Army thousands and just had them positioned in case Donald Trump would call up the National Guard and create some kind of a, uh, I guess the conclusion would be, military action after the election. And I thought to myself, how irresponsible of this John Carl. And quite frankly, he shouldn't be given a voice. Number one, if that in fact occurred, why would you wait till November 18, 2021 to tell your story? Number two, the problem here isn't the President of the United States who never did any such thing. He did the opposite. He offered Pelosi tens of thousands of National Guard to protect the Capitol building, as has been verified and supported by numerous people. But that is the Secretary of Defense. Called up regular troops and had them positioned in case Donald Trump took steps, took action. Does that not remind you of McCabe trying to use the 25th Amendment? This is shocking. What these bureaucrats, what these longtime Washington types that Trump put in various parts of his administration, on the advice of other people, tried to do to him, tried to create this caricature. He took no action of any kind to do such a thing, and he offered troops to protect the Capitol building. It was Nancy Pelosi who rejected it. And the inspector general just came out with a statement at the Department of Defense, where Nancy Pelosi said Department of Defense was slow to send National Guardsmen to protect the Capitol. The Inspector General said that's not true. That they were ready, willing, and able, and when called, they moved. But what does Cheney think about that and Kings? They don't care. This is the narrative. This is the narrative. First they had Lafayette Park, you know, where Trump called in the Attorney General. The Attorney General called in all these people and these poor, poor, mostly peaceful protesters who were trying to burn down a historic church, St. John's Church, were pulling down monuments. The same protesters who injured over 50 Secret Service trying to rush the White House. Oh, that's okay, you see, because Trump's in there. Trump had to be taken down to the, uh, what do they call that? The bomb shelter, the shelter. The nuclear shelter that's built way down below. No, 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 they're more worried. What happened to Pelosi? And on January 6th, what happened to that? This Jonathan Carl makes this, this charge. It's repeated, and that's it. Now, he makes an allegation against Maria Bartiroma, who I happen to think is fantastic. A fantastic host, a fantastic commentator, and journalist. And by the way, she'll wear one hat or another, but she doesn't mix the two. Unlike everybody else, for the most part. 
And apparently he accuses her of being very, very unjournalist-like, you know, unlike the rest of the fools out there. And quotes former Attorney General Bill Barr is saying that she called and yelled at him, that she lost it when Barr refused to investigate allegations of voter fraud. She says that's absurd. She was following up. He had done an interview on her program. She was following up with him when he had said on her program that drop boxes and mail-in voting create an environment where fraud can be significant, where fraud can occur. So he tries to destroy her. It won't work, Jonathan Carl. You're a putz. Now that said, I made a public statement about Barr at the time, too. When he said there's no evidence of fraud or criminality. I happen to know they didn't investigate. That they didn't know. I happen to know that the U.S. attorney in Philadelphia, who now wants to be, is it governor? Did nothing when information was brought to him. Wouldn't even consider looking at it. And now he tells former President Trump, well, he was unaware of it, the information was kept from him, blah, 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 and so forth. These are quizlings, absolute quizlings. At least that's my view. But the idea that a Secretary of Defense on his own would call up active duty military because he supposedly was concerned that President Trump would do something, which of course he never did, or that the head of the Joint Chiefs, you can see the mentality that existed at the top of the Defense Department at the Pentagon, would call our enemy in Communist China, the head military personnel in Communist China, who is a warmonger, who is a warmonger, our enemy. Don't worry about Trump, you know, nothing's going to happen, blah, 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 blah. This is the mentality that was taking place at the Department of Defense. And the real story here isn't what Jonathan Carl says or these other reporters who regurgitate it. The real story here is that we had at the top of the Department of Defense, as we had at the top of the FBI, rogue generals and a rogue Secretary of Defense. Just as we had a rogue FBI director and rogue senior FBI personnel. That's what we had. We have a president who never violated the Constitution. We have a president who never violated a federal statute in Trump. We have a president who never used the military in any untoward way, ever. And was more of a peacenik than a hawk. But look what they create. The whole Russia collusion, the whole media, all of Washington, all the New York media, all the L.A. media. Billions of dollars in corporate newsrooms. Thousands of reporters, thousands of investigators. They didn't report the truth and they didn't investigate. What a disgrace. And you can see... The American media at the center of almost all of it. Look at this situation with Bannon. Look how they lie about this situation with Bannon. We had his lawyer on here, 
David Schoen, brilliant man, brilliant litigator, brilliant constitutionalist, who laid out the whole thing. You don't indict somebody for refusing to comply to a subpoena that's being litigated on constitutional grounds because the former president asserts executive privilege, and legitimately so. That's being adjudicated in federal court. And he's directed, Bannon, by his lawyer, who's, who's directed by former president's lawyer, not to provide information as you will be violating the executive privilege of the former president. Wait till this is adjudicated. And Bannon and says, that's right, that's what I'll do. I'll wait till a judge orders me to do something. And on top of that, as David Schoen pointed out, you have a civil process that you can undertake in front of another judge, or perhaps the same judge, to make determinations on the, on the parsing of information, documents, text, email, whatever, that may or may not be appropriate to confer to this committee in Congress. But the members of this committee demand his indictment. Demand it. It's never happened in recent history. We've had five cases where officials in the executive branch were held in contempt by Congress. Five cases where the House of Representatives sought the indictment of these five officials. Only one case in which it's happened. Steve Bannon. One case. The media didn't explain this to you. I used my platform to allow David Schoen to explain it to you. Now you have the facts. If you're watching any other news source, you don't have any of the facts. If you're reading The Hill and, and one of the legal analysts getting on there and saying, well, you know... Trump can assert privilege, but the committee ought to go after these other guys. It just shows you that the person who wrote that doesn't know what they're talking about. Or just has such an animus as a never-Trumper, doesn't care. But given full space in the Hill, or given full space at CNN or MSNBC, they're so damn corrupt. You don't get the facts, you don't get the truth. I'll be right back. Mark in. I will be interviewing Donald Trump for the full one hour on Life, Liberty, and Levin. Uh, which you can see Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. I hope you'll watch. Of course, he's been interviewed by other people, but only once by me. Now, you know nobody does an interview like I do. Come on, you know that. Now, by the way, oh, they're celebrating the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that Joe Biden signed on Monday. Remember that? Remember President Trump proposed an infrastructure bill that was about a trillion dollars, and it all went to actual infrastructure. Not 9% or 12% of it. Remember the Democrats blocked it because they didn't want him to have a quote-unquote win? Remember that, Mr. Producer? Donald Trump was pushing, I want the infrastructure bill. I want the... Pelosi blocked it. 
The Democrats in the Senate threatened to filibuster it. They could have had it. It could have been done two, three years ago. But they didn't want Trump to have a victory, so they blocked it. And now, oh my God, look what Joe Biden did. He signed an infrastructure bill, and he got the help from 19 Republicans in the Senate, including the Republic leader, Mitch McConnell, who's worth less, worthless. And so are his lieutenants, John Thune. What has John Thune ever done? Nothing. And there's more of them, too. Sort of cloned McConnells waiting in line to be the next Republic leader. God forbid. Well... In Kenosha, Wisconsin, or as uh, some people like to say, Kenosha. Kenosha, Wisconsin, a little town that was attacked as if it was part of the German Blitz in the 1930s. By Black Lives Matter, by Antifa, by felons and former felons. The town burned, businesses were attacked, the cops were attacked. And one young guy came to help the people there with first aid. He came with an extinguisher to try and put out the fires, the dumpster fires that were being pushed into the cops and the buildings. Came there to help protect the property at the request of the owner. And he brought his AR-15 with him. And because he brought his AR-15, the American media, the American Marxists, want him to serve the rest of his life in prison. The fact that he shot three people who were trying to kill him. The fact that all three of them have long, felonious records. And some of their crimes are hideous. Is of no consequence to the mob. The media mob, the street mob, and the Marxist mob. They're there to push an agenda. They're there to push an ideology. That's all that matters to them. That mob includes virtually every single host and guest and contributor on MSLSD and the Constipated News Network. Virtually every single writer, whether a news writer or commentator, in the Washington Compost or the New York Slimes. Virtually every propagandist who opens his or her mouth for NBC, ABC, or CBS. They want this kid destroyed for several reasons. Number one, they don't want you to defend yourself if somebody's trying to kill you. Number two, they want you disarmed as a people. It's that simple. Well, something happened in that courtroom today, and I want you to hear about it as only I can explain. We'll be right back. here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, You know, there's no reason for gasoline prices to be going up, heating oil and heating fuel prices to be going up. 
There's no reason for the borders to be wide open, people pouring into our country. You know, various diseases, maladies, criminal records, all kinds of drugs pouring over the... There's no reason for this. There's no reason to bankrupt our country, to give out more freebies under more entitlements when only 40% of the people in this country actually pay federal income taxes. Who's going to keep paying for this? More and more people are on the dole. This is how the government devours your independence, devours your soul, devours your liberty. They expect things in return when they give you stuff, quote-unquote, for free. They expect things in return. Compliance. Uniformity. Conformity. Surrendering your free will. Surrendering your independent thinking. Surrendering your free speech and freedom of association. They expect something in return. You think you're getting free family leave for nothing? You think you'll get free college for nothing? Where else on the face of the world is it a one-way arrangement? Where? This is how police states are built. This is how police states are built. People become used to it. And then the people who, who resist these police states, the people who resist conformity and uniformity, the people who are using their God-given brains to think for themselves, who have better ideas, who want to do something else, they become the enemy. That's why Joe Biden's out there, the unvaccinated are the enemy. They're killing people. That's why people who reject open borders are called racists. That's why people who defend our economic system are called white supremacists. That's why people who say government should only tax what it actually needs under the Constitution are said to be for the rich. They meet your intelligence, your knowledge, your thoughtful comments and arguments with demagogic, emotional attacks. You look at any of these, of these regimes in the past, they're not so far gone in the past either. You look at them. They always have to create enemies, white dominant culture, the oil companies, or this or that. Republicans as Jim Crow. And you can see the Democrat Party borrows heavily, heavily from these autocracies in the way they think, in the way they operate. Heavily. It's shocking. And more and more of the corporations to let me let me tell you a little secret. Like so many of you, I used to defend these corporations because all they are are legal creations that allow individuals to operate freely. To build things, to create things, to produce things, to develop things, to sell things, to, to purchase things. That's all. An aggregate or a collection of individuals who invest, who make. What's wrong with that? And of course, it would be attacked 
because of their belief in capitalism. But not anymore. Not anymore. These corporations are now run by corporatists. Their CEOs, their COOs, their CFOs, their board members. These are corporatists. Many of them come out of the same colleges and universities and graduate schools as the other American Marxists. Many of them are just bowing to the mob because they think it's good for business. But either way, it's corrupt. When you look back at the John D. Rockefellers, when you look back at the Vanderbilts, when you look back at the great, the great capitalists, the industrialists, of course, you're now supposed to hate them, right? They truly laid the foundation for the greatest country and economic system on the face of the earth. You can't say that for most of the corporatists today who look over at communist China as the biggest market. You look at World War II, our companies were patriotic. Our athletes were patriotic. Ted Williams spent five years of his prime in two wars, World War II and the Korean War, and I can go down a whole list of them. You think anybody from the NBA, pretty much, will go to war on behalf of this country? Or football, we've had a few, but most would never. They go to war in their own way against this country. Because it's so horrendous, you understand. It's so horrendous. Anyway, let us circle back here. Judge Schroeder, who I think has done an outstanding job, actually, certainly under the circumstances, in the Rittenhouse trial. Today he banned MSNBC and NBC from the courthouse. The other day he was lamenting how the media were treating the courtroom. The, the lack of, of rational information and actual factual information being reported. Well, Judge Schroeder, this has been going on for several years now, whether it's Russia collusion, whether it's Ukraine, the Bidens, and on and on and on, and you're the latest victim. More particularly, Kyle Rittenhouse is the latest victim. He's the latest victim. But here is Judge Schroeder explaining why he has had to ban MSNBC and NBC from the courthouse. And this would be the same MSNBC and, M- and NBC who behave themselves and follow the edicts of the genocidal communist enemy that is China. So they don't lose the exclusive television broadcast rights in the United States for the communist Chinese Olympics. They fall in line, just like LeBron James and the corrupt NBA and all the rest of them. Cut three, go. Last evening, um, a person who identified himself as James G. Morrison and who claimed that he was a producer with NBC News, employed uh, for MSNBC, um, and under the supervision uh, a person, what's going on? Oh, okay. Uh, under the supervision of someone named Irene Bayon in New York uh, for MSNBC, 
uh, the police, when they stopped him because he was following in the distance of a, a black and uh, went through a red light, pulled him over and inquired of him what was going on and he gave that information and stated that he had been instructed by Ms. Bayon in New York to follow the jury bus. Uh, the matter is uh, under further investigation at this point. Um, and the media has asked questions about it. That's the latest I have. Um, and he was ticketed for uh, uh, violating a traffic control signal. Uh, he's not here today from what I'm told. And um, I have instructed that no one from MSNBC News will be permitted in this building for the duration of this trial. Uh, this is a very serious matter, and I don't know what the ultimate truth of it is, but absolutely it, it would go without much thinking that someone who is following uh, the jury bus, uh, that is a very, ex it's extremely serious matter, and uh, will be referred to the uh, proper authorities for further action. But Shaquille Brewster, NBC News correspondent on MSNBC today, denied what took place. Cut four, go. Now, we did see the judge take the stand or come to the bench earlier today for an unrelated matter. This happened outside of the presence yeah, no, of the... No, a judge doesn't take the stand, of course. He sat in his chair. Go ahead to a report that we got from the Kenosha Police Department last night saying that a member of the media was suspected of following the jury van after court yesterday. The judge named a member from MSNBC. He said he's, uh, he's taking this extremely seriously. He went on to say that he's investigating this further. And we also know that he's banning members from MSNBC, any MSNBC personnel from the courthouse at this time. Now, uh, NBC spokesperson did release a statement. Let's put that up on the screen right now. It says, last night, a freelancer received a traffic citation while the traffic violation took place near the jury van. The freelancer never contacted or, or intended to contact the jurors during deliberations and never photographed or intended to photograph them. We regret the incident and will fully cooperate with authorities on any investigation. Now, matters like this, I try to use common sense and reason. That's what separates us from, say, hamsters and liberal Democrats. Now, on NBC, spokesperson released a statement. Let's put that up on the screen right now. It says, last night, a freelancer received a traffic citation. While the traffic violation took place near the jury van, the freelancer, or let's stop right there. Isn't that a little coincidental, Mr. Producer? And that traffic violation was he went through a red light following the jury van. Oh, I see. But don't wait, worry, ladies and gentlemen. He never took any interviews. He never took any photographs. It sounds to me he never had a chance. And how do they know, NBC, that he was a freelancer? A freelancer for whom? News groups... Hire freelancers. Just a freelancer freelancing? NBC seems to know about the freelancer. They seem to know from their perspective what the freelancer was not doing. 
Look, he just happened to be behind the bus with the jurors in there, happened to go through a red light, happened to receive a traffic citation. And while, he writes, he says, while the traffic violation took place near the jury van, the freelancer never contacted or intended to contact the jurors during deliberations. And never photographed or intended to photograph them. Well, he's in the car. Why would he photograph the bus? If you're following the bus, you wait for it to stop, and then you pull the trigger on the, on the camera, right, Mr. Badu? You start taking your pictures. You're going to take a picture of the back of the bus? For whom was this freelancer working? A traffic citation going through a red light? Simultaneous with the jury bus? Passing? Does that make sense to you folks? But don't worry, he never photographed or intended to photograph them. He's just a freelancer who had a... ran a red light near the jury bus, but didn't intend to do anything. But NBC, quote, we regret the incident and will fully cooperate with authorities on any investigation. You have no choice but to fully cooperate with authorities on any investigation. What do you think this is, the Nancy Pelosi... Stalin Politburo? No, this is an actual criminal investigation. So there you have it. Obviously, NBC's innocent. Obviously, the freelancer is just a freelancer. Obviously, they just happen to be coincidentally near the jury bus. Of course. And besides, the judge is a racist. Has to be a racist. Because that's what they call him, a racist. He must be a racist. I'll be right back. Lovin. All right, folks, we always have to dip into this. Christina Caroli-Taylor, multicultural competency trainer. Excuse me? Multicultural Competency Trainer in a diversity training video for KENS5 San Antonio CBS affiliate. Hat Tip Project Veritas. Cut one, go. Much of what we're going to talk about today is going to center around the main code of ethics of journalism. And a couple of things. During this workshop and throughout your day, I challenge you to stop thinking in terms of objective journalism. Because, and we'll t- discuss why that's not really feasible anymore, but in terms of accuracy, fairness, and transparency. O- always striving for objectivity is not feasible. If you read Unfreedom of the Press, man, did I nail this? This is now the, uh, the culture for the media. Now we have Grady Tripp, Diversity Inclusivity in- uh, Training Officer at Tegna. Tegna owns KNS 5 San Antonio. Cut to go. It's kind of sorry, not sorry for the statement that I'm making there. At this point, if you're not listening to a podcast or looking at a video or reading any of the information that's out as far as equality and social justice and race, you don't care. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't know how else to say it because it's, it's there. We're going to be holding stations accountable because we know it's important to the organization. KPIs are going to change, right? KPIs are going to reflect diversity and inclusion from a representation standpoint at various levels. 
from an inclusion standpoint. So here you have the media, critical race theory, intersecting. This is the forced brainwashing, the forced acceptance of the racist ideology. You'll see this in communist China. You'll see this in communist Venezuela. You'll see this in communist Cuba. And that's what's going on now. To our military, to elementary school students, middle school students, high school students, it's been going on in our colleges and universities. The media are being trained in local stations. They don't need to train, you know, the big guys like Chuck Todd and Fake Tapper and the rest. They're already there. But they have to enforce this at the local stations where a lot of these 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 sort of young journalism students just graduating and others are trying to really start their careers so they can get into the big leagues this is what they're training them racism white hate even if you're not white that is remember as i explain it if you support the country you're part of the white dominant society regardless of who you are And they're training this. They're indoctrinating this. They're compelling it. This is what the company is going to require. This is what it's going to demand. This is important to the organization, and you shall comply. You shall comply. And as Grady Tripp said, it's everywhere. Look at it. Now, Joy Reid and the media were saying it's nowhere. It's been made up by by Fox. It's been made up by Levin. It's been made up by his book. It's all made up. No, it's not made up. It's everywhere. This is disgusting. It's unbelievable. I'll be right back. The Mark Levin Show is tomorrow's morning show. You can reach Mark now at 877-381-3811. I was just talking about the media and how the media are being indoctrinated beyond where they already sit, to become activist American Marxists at the youngest part of their careers possible on local stations. You heard it. You heard the poison. Well, our friends at, uh, our friends at uh, Americans for Tax Reform want to inform you about something. On page 1,957... And this is being voted on tonight. 1,957 of the Reconciliation Bill. Such a nice, passive name given to such destructive activity. Democrats have included a $1.67 billion special tax handout to media companies. Hello! Under the guise of helping local journalists. In reality, the provision is a product of the D.C. lobbying swamp and will benefit large media corporations. Companies of any size are eligible for the tax credit. You know, like Comcast, AT&T, think about it. The New York Times, the Washington Post, broadcast, print, and digital companies all qualify. Each company is allowed to claim the tax credit for up to 1,500 of their employees. How many humble village newspapers do you know that employ 1,500 people? The Associated Press recently reported that the Gannett Corporation, publisher of USA Today, could get as much as 
$127.5 million. Should the tax break become law, they wrote, Gannett, one of the nation's largest remaining newspaper chains, could gain as much as $127.5 million over five years. Gannett has a market capitalization of $780 million. Its 2020 revenue was $3.4 billion. The company this year boasted of an improved operating trend and financial position. It has significant overseas assets, at least 120 media brands in the U.K. Its CEO is compensated handsomely. The company brags that it runs the largest media-owned events business in the country. Well, of course they deserve tax breaks. Now, when the AP reporters asked an AP spokesperson whether or not their own company would benefit, the AP declined to comment. You want to know why they declined to comment? Because they will. The Associated Depressed. Gannett. All the biggest news operations in this country qualify. Why do you think they said up to 1,500 employees? They they can use the tax credit. This provision would provide a refundable payroll tax credit equal to 50% of wages up to $12,500 per quarter per employee for the first four calendar quarters and 30% credit for each calendar quarter thereafter. Let me explain this to you. $12,500 per quarter per employee. That's $50,000 a year, right, Mr. Producer? $50,000 a year. Hello, America! Hello! Per employee for the first four calendar quarters and a 30% credit for each calendar quarter thereafter. Media organizations covering the reconciliation bill have an obligation to disclose whether or not they stand to benefit from the bill. Have you heard a single one do that? Hi, we're at CNN, and guess what? We benefit from this bill. You haven't heard any of these companies say that. Hey, we're the New York Slimes. Not only do we cover up the Holocaust and promote Castro and Stalin, hey, we're not going to tell you about, about the bill. And this is how your government buys off the media. This is how the Democrat Party and the media work hand in glove. The Democrat Party is pushing this bill through on its own. And they're giving money, giving money to the media. And the media want the money. Not a single media organization has said, we won't take the money. We are, we are separate and distinct from the government. We don't want to be tainted. Not a single media conglomerate has rejected the money. Not one! So while they're brainwashing people in critical race theory, from the clerk to the hosts on television at local TV stations, so they can learn to be good advocates for racism, thoroughly hating their own country, this radical agenda, the same media organizations will now profit handsomely from the same Democrat Party that embraces critical race theory, among other maladies, as they benefit each other. The media benefit that party, and that party benefit the media. It is disgusting. What's free about this press? 
And as the concentration of power by turning our Constitution against us increases, as it increases, whether it's mandates, whether it's taxes, whether it's regulations, whether it's unleashing the FBI, whether it's indoctrinating the United States military, whatever it is, opening the borders to other people who will become citizens and do not have the history or experience of the American founding and so forth, without assimilation, without assimilation, you're told to be quiet. If you're a parent, they're going to sick the FBI on you. If you're a Trump supporter, they'll sick the FBI on you. If you're an independent media outlet, they'll sick the FBI on you. If you're a candidate running against them, they'll sick the FBI on you. Unbelievable. I think it's only a matter of time till I'm targeted by these people, don't you, Mr. Producer? It's only a matter of time. You can't sell 1.2 million copies of American Marxism that takes these people and turns them inside out and really gives them a shave and not be a target. You can't get behind this microphone as the point of the spear and get into this in ways that really very few others can or do. You can't have Levin TV and, as you see, Life, Liberty, and Levin with growing numbers of people listening, growing numbers of people watching, the number one book of the entire year, without these people trying to figure out ways to silence you. My wife and I have talked about this in the past. My family gets nervous about it, but I tell them, i got to keep plugging ahead. This is who I am. People have to fight for liberty and against tyranny in their own way. Some people go overseas to fight enemies. I've got a microphone. And I've got to do what I've got to do. So I have no stomach for the Chris Christie's and the Mitch McConnell's who play footsie with these people, even support these people in many respects, and have no idea what's swelling around, or even worse, they do and they don't care. They'd rather trash Trump and Trump supporters, even today. Even today on cable, it's going on and on about Elections in the future, what do the Republicans need to do? And they need to distance themselves from Trump. And this is relatively conservative media. You know, the other media just tries to ruin Trump. And I look at it this way, folks. If they hate Trump so much, he must be doing something right. Because we hate them, don't we? Because they're destroying our country. Because they're, they're the voice for tyranny, not liberty. Trump must be doing something right. Or why all the animus, endless efforts, criminal, political, media, you name it, to take out an ex-president. I don't think it's a coincidence that Liz Cheney's leading the charge because you have the establishment Republicans, the Cheney's, the Bushes, and so forth, represented by Liz Cheney, throwing in with the Nancy Pelosi types, the Adam Schiff types, because they have the same enemy. And that's you and Donald Trump. That's you and Donald Trump. I'll be right back. Mark in.
the hour. I don't have enough time right now. I want to introduce you to Sali Omaravo. What? That's right. Sali Omarava. Now, Sali is a Marxist. And so Joy Reid and Elizabeth Warren are saying, if you call her such a thing, uh, you are Joe McCarthy. So now, if you call somebody what they are, what they have embraced in the past, even though they're trying to rewrite their resume and their history, you're Joe McCarthy, and they're not a Marxist. Now, I want to ask you a question. What do you make of the fact that the overwhelming majority of the Democrats in the Senate, maybe all of them, but one or two, are going to vote for this woman to be the controller of the currency? Even though she's a Marxist. Is this not a... And what do you make of the fact that the Biden administration, Joe Biden, had to sign his signature to her nomination? And he did. What I'm trying to get a point to you is this, this phrase, American Marxism, that most politicians on Capitol Hill are afraid to use. Most of my colleagues at Fox are afraid to use. Most of my colleagues in talk radio are afraid to use. Most conservatives are afraid to use. Certainly most Republicans. It's absurd not to call them what they are and what they call themselves when nobody's watching or listening, and even when people are watching and listening. Socialism is an economic system only. It's bad enough. This is a cultural war. They want to destroy our culture and our society. That's what they're about. It's even bigger than the economy. It is, it, it is a war that is not understood by the Republican leadership in Congress, by most repubes who want to be president, but instinctively, Donald Trump understands it. Instinctively, he knows it's a war. Instinctively, he battles them. Instinctively, he doesn't back down to them. But almost all of the others do. But that's why they pile on and try and destroy him. I'm just being honest. How much time do I have, Rich? Well, we do. Let's get started. Here she is being questioned by Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana. Cut 10, go. You used to be a member of a group called the Young Communist, didn't you? Senator, uh, are you referring to my membership in the youth communist organization while I was growing up in the Soviet Union? I don't know. I, was, I just I wanted to ask you that question. Well, Senator, I... There was a group called the Young Communists, and you were a member. Is that right? I'm not exactly sure which group you're referring to. Now, let's well, wait a minute. How could you not be sure which group he's referring to? Were you a member of many groups? And it's not because they want to send her to prison or anything. It's because she is nominated to be head of the control of the currency. Do we want a communist at the head of the control of the currency? And as an adult, not just a youth, she has said other unbelievable things. Go ahead. The Leninist Communist Young Union of the Russian Federation 
and it's also known as the Leninist Komsomol of the Russian Federation, and it's commonly referred to as the Young Communists. Were you a member? Senator, I was born and grew up in the Soviet Union. Yes, ma'am, but were you a member of that organization? Everybody in that country was a member of the Komsomol. That's not true, and if you're Russian and you've uh, immigrated to the United States, you can call here and explain that she's lying. They're trying now. See, they sat down and said, let's figure out how to, how to whitewash this. And that's what they've come up with. Go ahead. Youth organization. Because so so you, that were, was, you were a member? That was a part of normal progress in school. Um, did you, have you resigned? From the youth, From the young communists? You grow out of it with age. Automatically. Did, did you... Did you, did you send them a letter, though, resigning? Senator, this was many, many years ago, as far as I remember how the Soviet Union worked, was at certain age you automatically stop being a well, member could, of the Could you look at your records and see if you can find a copy uh, of your... Senator Kennedy, I don't, I don't interrupt. I almost never interrupt these, but... Well, you always Best interrupt me, Mr. No, actually, I don't. And I'm, not I'm nearly as many pursue, times as I'd like to. No, I, I, she, she renounced her Soviet citizenship. Well, why are you interrupting? What are you afraid of? That's Sherrod Brown, American Marxist, Ohio. Can't she stand on her own two feet and explain herself? I'll be right back. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Poor Sally Omarova. Born in the Soviet Union, she had to be a member of the youth Leninist communist group. She had no choice. She reaches a certain age, and then she's no longer a member. She's no longer, obviously, a citizen of the Soviet Union. And she testifies under oath, I am not a communist. And Sherrod Brown, a punk, a puke, putrid in every respect, an American Marxist, if there ever was one, out of Ohio, comes to her defense. Now the other day I played two clips for you of Soleil Amarova. And this is from March 2021, long after she left the Soviet Union long after she was in the Lenin Communist Youth Group, March 2021, the woman who would be, excuse me, the birthing person who would be the head, the controller of the currency, for God's sakes. And by the way, the Biden administration couldn't find anyone better in the entire country for this slot. Nobody better. Cut 22, go. For certain... Uh, troubled industries and firms that are in transitioning. And here what I'm thinking about is primarily coal industry and oil and gas industry. A lot of the smaller players in that industry are uh, going to probably uh, go bankrupt in, in, in short order. At least we want them to go bankrupt if we want to tackle climate change, right? 
Hmm. Cut 23, go. Imagine what would it be like if instead of being just a public option for deposit uh, banking, this would be actually the full transition. In other words, there will be no more private uh, bank deposit accounts and all of the deposit accounts will be held directly at the Fed. So there'd be no more private banking. Everybody would do their banking with the federal government via the Fed. That sounds like the Communist Manifesto to me. Go ahead. Interesting implications uh, from that thought experiment, for example, with uh, the much more uh, direct and proactive tools of monetary policy, like helicopter money, which is, uh, you know, considered radical, primarily because uh, economists really do not know how to manage the issue of what will happen if, uh, in the inflationary environment when the central bank needs to contract the supply of money. Now, stop. I want you to listen very, very carefully to the following. Go. Politically feasible for the central bank to effectively take money away from uh, people's accounts. Do you understand what she's saying there? What would happen in an inflationary environment when the central bank needs to contract the supply of money, that is the Fed? How is it politically feasible for the central bank, the Fed, to effectively take money away from people's accounts? You see, because your accounts are in private banks right now, ladies and gentlemen. The Fed, it's not feasible for taking money away from your private accounts without there being a ruckus. But what if your private accounts were no longer private? and all of the deposit accounts would be held directly at the Fed. I'm quoting, quote, all of the deposit accounts would be held directly at the Fed. She's saying if all of the accounts are held directly by the Fed, the Fed can reduce the amount of money you have in your own accounts because the Fed would control your accounts. In other words, she wants to federalize your accounts. It's the only way. That's March 2021. That's less than a year ago. She makes this statement. It's on Twitter for all the, the goons and the, and the leftists and the Marxists, the hacks in the Biden administration to hear. They well know this is her view. The question is, are how many of these so-called moderate Democrat senators are going to vote for this. Like Warner from Virginia, like Kane from Virginia, they pose as moderates. And a host of many, many more. What are they going to do? They're going to vote for her. Because they agree with her. This must be McCarthyism. More Senator John Kennedy to Salu Omarova. Biden's nominee to hunt to head the uh, control the currency. Cut 11, go. You wrote your thesis in college at Moscow State University on the title was Karl Marx's Economic Analysis and the Theory of Revolution in the Capital. But you won't send Senator Toomey a copy. You studied at university at Moscow State University scientific communism which is the science regarding the working class struggle and the socialist agenda. 
In 2019, not 30 years ago, in a Canadian documentary, you called the financial services industry, quote, a quintessential industry. Um, you wrote a paper called Systemically Significant Prices, calling for the federal government to set wages, food, gas prices. In 2020, you wrote a paper called The People's Ledger, where you said we need to abolish bank accounts and make everybody set up an account at the Fed where the federal government will have access to your data. In 2020, you wrote another paper called The Climate Case for a National Investment Authority, where you said what we need to do, the oil and gas industry, is have the federal government bankrupt them so we can tackle climate change. In 2019, you joined a Facebook group, a Marxist Facebook group, to discuss socialist and anti-capitalist views. Now, that's what I see from your record. And you have the right to believe every one of these things. You do. This is America. But I don't mean any disrespect. I, I don't know whether to call you professor or comrade. Senator, I'm not a communist. I do not subscribe to that ideology. I could not choose where I was born. Choose where you're born? It has nothing to do where you were born. Go ahead. I did not, I do not remember joining any Facebook group that subscribes to that ideology. I would never knowingly join any such group. There is no record of me ever actually participating in any Marxist or communist discussions of any kind. What? I think he just kind of laid it out. But Elizabeth Warren to the defense. Because she's one and the same. Cut 12 going. I know that the giant banks object to your willingness to enforce the law to keep our system safe. Excuse and- me, you dummy. You moron, you buffoon. This isn't about the giant banks. It's about the little people with bank accounts, you idiot. It's not about the giant banks. The problem is the giant government that's bigger than any bank, that's bigger than any collection of banks, that's bigger and bigger than our economy at some point. The problem is the power of government. No bank has the power to take your money, to prosecute you, or to track you unless the federal government orders you tracked. This is the same federal government that wants to monitor your bank accounts anytime $600 comes or goes. But it's the banks you have the fear. The banks, then the oil companies. Got to get the oil companies and Big Pharma. Got to get Big Pharma. And you, you get it. Go ahead. You may cut into big bank profits. So they and their Republican... Big bank profits, what she's talking about is forget about big banks, small banks, any banks. What this nominee talked about was that your bank account would be with the federal government. It wouldn't be a private account with the banks. And she said why? In her own words, I just played it for you. So if necessary, the federal government takes it or takes some percentage of it to fight inflation or to do whatever it wants to do. That's a violation of your unalienable rights. That money belongs to you. It should be private. It shouldn't belong to the federal government. 
But I'm not a communist, she says. Of course you're a communist. You're a Marxist. And so is the a-hole senator who's speaking now. Go. I've declared war on you. The attacks on your nomination have been vicious and personal. What was vicious and personal about anything that John Kennedy said? Nothing. Let's see. Let's see if Elizabeth Warren can dispute or explain any of it. Go ahead. Them. Sexism, racism, pages straight out of Joe McCarthy's Oh, 19- so it's sexism and racism, I see. And when they went after Kavanaugh, that wasn't sexism and racism. No, 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 that was fair game. And when they went after Clarence Thomas, no, that wasn't sexism, that's fair game. When they go after the lieutenant governor-elect of Virginia, Sears, that's fair game. That's not sexism or racism, is it, ladies and gentlemen? Well, this sure as hell isn't. This is her resume. This is why she was chosen by the Biden administration and Biden himself. And this is exactly why Elizabeth Warren defends him. Why Sherrod Brown defends, excuse me, her, him, whatever. Apparently doesn't matter anymore. Go ahead. These red scare tactics. Oh, Oh, red scare tactics. Red scare tactics. Well, let me see. If it walks like a Marxist and quacks like a Marxist and talks like a Marxist, maybe it is a Marxist. So here you have an Elizabeth Warren, a Trotskyite defending a Maoist. Go ahead. Here on full display. Ah, shut up, you idiot. It's funny, you can't defend her on a single one of her resume points. Not one. You can't defend anything this woman has said. That's her voice. That's her audio. And it was on video. You can't defend any of it. So it's the Red Scare. It's Jill McCarthy. You jerk. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I love this audience. All kinds of people listening who believe in the truth and liberty. And I asked some of our Russian friends, people with Russian ancestry, to call in. Is she right that she could not? She had to be a member of the Young Communists, and she couldn't resign. You only resign by age. We have Leonid, Brooklyn, New York, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, sir? Mark, I'm doing great, especially for the fact I'm speaking to you for the first time. Thank you. It's a privilege and pleasure. What do you make of this okay, woman? So basically, I was. Well, she is uh, uh, bred. She's uh, raised. She's subscribing to full communist ideals that I remember have been indoctrinated successfully, though. And I had emigrated to the United States of America in 1977. And everything she says sounds like that old school of indoctrination in the communist ideals. Was she required to join the young communists? Well, it was optional. It was definitely Mm -hmm. optional, but they put indirect pressure. In other words, if you were striving to achieve some kind of a very important uh, position in the government or science, uh, it would definitely make uh, the process here 
In other words, it's the person trying to join a youth communist party. Person is not forced to do it, but they could help them because they want to proceed. It it could help them. It could help them. But the point is, she wasn't. You weren't a member without choice. That's the bottom line. Correct. Oh, correct. I was approached when I reached the age of joining that youth communist party. I was approached by the by the leader in my school, and uh, he was asked, "Well, are you about to join such a great organization?" And I answered that I truly think I don't deserve to be a member of this organization. This is how I got away from that. All right, Leonid. I want to thank you very, very much. I want to go to Roman. Queens, New York, the great WABC. How are you? Hi, Mark. First time caller. Well, um, we're pretty much the same age, and I think we left Soviet Union in pretty much the same time. Uh, whatever she says is pretty well, let me put it this way. When you're 14, 15 years old in school, they're really pushing you in that comfortable organization. During 70s and 80s, beginning of the 80s, to get out it was very difficult and kind of suicidal in the career. But she's pretty much my age. So in 87, 86, 87, Gorbachev was uh, in power. So it was, became very much optional. You can just resign, mm-hmm. which I did in uh, 86. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought I'm crazy, but I resigned. Nothing happened to but me. But she, she said w- you couldn't resign, that you had to turn a certain age, and then you were no longer a member. Is that correct? Well, 26 years old. But mm-hmm. she was not 26 when she left the country. Okay? She didn't. Yeah. She didn't age out of the Komsomol. No, 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 she didn't. And she had a choice. And also, remember, she went to Moscow University to learn Marxism-Leninism. Mm-hmm. Nothing else. And i tell you the truth, most of the Russian immigrants from Russia, from Soviet Union, they're, you know, going towards Republicans. Because we're not mm-hmm. schizophrenics. We left mm-hmm. socialism. I'm not going to vote for socialism here. Exactly. She is a completely different animal. She, whatever she coming out of her mouth, it just reminds me like I'm 30 years ago. You know, those all these part apparatchik talking about uh, centralized government. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything has to be under control. The money you make, it doesn't, you know, belongs to you. It belongs to the gov- government. That's what they're pushing us here. All right, Roman. Good job. I appreciate it. Let us go to Irina, Long Island, New York, the great WABC. Go right ahead. Hi. Hi, Mark. Um, my name is Irina. Um, great um, um, talking to you. This is also my first time calling because I couldn't agree more with all of my Russian people who already uh, called you. So uh, first thing I want to say, I absolutely agree with everybody that I, I grew up in Moscow. I was born in 1972, and you basically had no choice. They they push you to join those young communist parties. Basically, from elementary school, you become Aktibrionik, um, which means that you're kind of like a grandchild of Vladimir Lenin. You know what I mean? And then by right. certain age, once you reach high school, you become, you have to, you have to, because in order for you 
to go ahead and become a doctor or a lawyer or to get any kind well, of... Well, they said they, the people are pressured, but you don't have to. Here's my right. question. You called to talk about the bank policy. What is the bank policy that you left exactly. in the Soviet Union? Yes, 100% of my classmates had to join. Uh, they, okay, they, I, I've got 40 seconds. You called about the bank policy. What was the bank policy there? Bank, bank. okay. My parents lost everything back in 1998. Yes, it is central bank, and they have total control over your money. One so the morning, bank accounts are basically controlled by the government, is that correct? Yes, yes, that's correct. You will have zero in your bank account over one night, and you have no power over it if they want to take it away from you. All right, Irene, I didn't mean you to be rude, but I had to move. Thank you very, very much. We'll, we'll regroup after the bottom of the hour. Very interesting. Her bank policy mimics the bank policies in the Soviet Union. I'll be right back. Levin, tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Now, what the Democrats do, the American Marxists dressed up as Democrats, like Senator Ed Markey, who's a nut job, complete nut job. He's at a press conference yesterday, and he actually blames Republicans for dramatically rising oil prices. Why? Because they're in bed with the oil companies. Let me ask you a question. When Donald Trump opened federal lands to drilling, when Donald Trump opened Anwar, when Donald Trump deregulated the fossil fuel industry, did prices go up or down, Mr. Producer? They went down. And also, from a national security perspective, we didn't have to rely on another country in the world. We were selling oil overseas. We had a vibrant job market in the oil industry. And the oil industry is not just the oil rigs. That's important, too. But it's everything related to it. Pipe makers and fitters. The production of steel for the pipes. Uh, You need truckers. You need trucks. You need diners, you need restaurants, you need trucks. It goes on and on and on. You remember my pencil or I pencil? We'll have to play that again in the near future. Probably shouldn't have said it because one of the back benches will jump, but you understand. And so when a guy like Ed Markey says the Republicans are in bed with the oil companies, if the Republicans were in bed with the oil companies, we'd be in good shape as consumers. As consumers. We'd have more gasoline for our automobiles and trucks. We'd have more diesel fuel at a cheaper price. Because the more you produce, the lower the price goes. The more you produce, the lower the price goes. And we were producing it. And now we're producing a lot less of it. We have half as many active rigs as we did when Joe Biden took the presidency. Half as many active rigs. People aren't investing in, investing in anymore. They know that, that the goal of this administration and the goal of this bill they want to pass is to blow out fossil fuel. They've said it over and over again. So here's Senator Ed Markey, American Marxist of Massachusetts. Cut 18, go. What are we confronted with right now? We can see dramatically rising oil prices all across this country. We should be releasing the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. 
to send a message. All right, all right, all right listen. listen we will, the, first of all, it's called the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, not the Strategic Reserve to help the left out when they screw things up. There's not enough in the Strategic Oil Reserve to draw down the price of fuel. I want you to think for two seconds about this. What is in the Strategic Oil Reserve, Mr. Producer? Oil. That's right. Oil. How did that oil get produced to go in the Strategic Petroleum Reserve? It was drilled. It was produced. It was transported. It was refined. It was transported again. And it was put in the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. The Strategic Petroleum Reserve did not have the amount of oil it should have had until Donald Trump became president. And when he drove down the price of fuel, he filled up that reserve. He filled it up. Now they want to use it. A temporary fix. The Strategic Petroleum Reserve won't do a damn thing. Go ahead. We should repeal the law which now allows for the exportation of American oil. Now, what would happen if we prevent the exportation of American oil, ladies and gentlemen? What would oil-producing countries do to us? Any ideas, Rich? They wouldn't export to us. Typically, the way exporting oil works is this way. It's more of a swap. So we're not a net loser. In that regard, it's more of a swap. But it amazes me. So we should use the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. We should repeal the law, which now allows for the exportation of American oil. I thought we were allowed to export pretty much anything we wanted to. Go ahead. 2015, the oil industry received that as their Christmas present. But we, as the American people and the planet, did not receive the kinds of additional provisions that we needed in order to save the planet. Now, there you go. He is a fanatic and an idiot. So we didn't get in return what we needed to save the planet. If there were some great technology out there to replace... Oil, gas, natural gas, propane, fossil fuels. Then why have the communist Chinese developed it? They're back on coal. Almost a significant majority of what they use. How about Western Europe? How come they haven't developed it? Where is this great technology that they're talking about? Only America can produce it. But they're at war with American oil companies. They're at war with American profits. They're at war with success. They want to have the highest federal income tax. That is the highest income tax of any industrialized society. They want to redistribute wealth. They want to re-engineer the country and our economic system. And yet they're going to rely on all of that. That is the private sector, technology, capital investment, successful people, and all the rest to get us out of the fossil fuel business. These people are going to destroy us. They're going to destroy us. Ed Markey doesn't know crap 
about anything. About anything. Strategic oil reserve wouldn't exist but for the oil industry. Selling oil overseas, that's not the point. The point is oil production. When we sell oil overseas, we don't lose anything because we can buy oil from overseas. It's the same market price. If we sell a barrel of oil that comes out of Texas to, say, Poland, and we buy a barrel of oil that comes out of, say, Saudi Arabia, it's the same market. The same market. It's like the stock market. The price is the same. So this doesn't resolve a damn thing. We were in a position of exporting oil a year ago. We were exporting oil. Hello. A year ago, we were exporting oil and making money because we had more than enough to use here at home and sell and make a profit overseas. But they're destroying the whole business. And so our oil companies cannot compete with oil states. Oil states like Russia like Saudi Arabia, and so forth and so on. We have oil companies. They have oil states. Go ahead. Appeal. Right now, oil companies are taking American consumers and shaking them upside down. No, they're not. Oil companies are begging for the right to do what oil companies do, make money by producing as much oil, gas, and natural gas as they possibly can. That's when they're most profitable. They have overhead. They have enormous expenses. They have enormous number of employees. I mean, and they keep people working. They're not in the business to have as little oil as possible. They're not in the business to sell oil to another country. They're in the business to create and sell oil right here for what was the greatest economic engine on the face of the earth. But listen to the contradictions and the hypocrisy in just a few sentences from this buffoon. And then we have Veronica Escobar, Democrat from Texas. Cut 19, go. I represent El Paso, Texas, a community in the Southwest that is warming faster than most other communities. Oh, come on and give me a break. Now she's a meteorologist. Any part of the country cooling faster? Yes. Oh, climate change. What do you mean? Well, they're warming, they're cooling, that's climate change. So this is why this party and these ideologues are never going to be capable of running anything. Go ahead. We're seeing increasing triple-digit temperatures, longer, hotter summers in a community that Guess has what not- happened this year? In Florida, Mr. Producer, where Riva home, there were no hurricanes. There were no hurricanes. Not a single hurricane during hurricane season. None. At the beginning of the summer, there were predicted to be a record number of hurricanes. There were no hurricanes. So what do I credit that to? We don't even talk about what should I credit that to. We don't even talk about it. She's got triple digit temperature in El Paso. I've got nothing. No hurricanes. I don't even think we had a tropical storm where I am. Nothing. That must mean what? 
the climate's getting better. I feel like we're, you know, like it's 3,000 years ago and we're praying to idols and we're, uh, we're mooing at the moon and, and sacrificing things. I, I mean, the, the idiocy that comes out of the mouths of these American martyrs is unbelievable. Go ahead. Disadvantaged. That is killing people. What is I killing also- people, you idiot? Go ahead. El Paso as a border community. And for those who've been covering the movement of migrants across our hemisphere, there is no doubt that much of that migration is coming from the climate crisis. Oh, well, that's funny. Every time we ask people, or the media do, that is Fox, because nobody else is covering it, or Newsmax, or OAN. Anytime those people are coming across the border... They talk about, I want to be free. Don't they, Mr. Producer? Has a single one of them talked about climate change? Ooh, that's the climate crisis. Listen, I walked 1,200 miles with my three-year-old and my five-year-old baby on my back. I left everything there is, everything. And I came to America to escape climate change. Has anybody heard anybody say that? Moreover, she just said... The climate's going to hell in our border town of El Paso. So why would people be leaving another country to come to this country if we're going to hell with climate change? None of it makes any sense. Climate doesn't know borders. Oh, good Lord. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Mr. Producer, why don't you check with Brent Bozell? When does his book come out? Because it's a fantastic book. And maybe after the holiday, if it's out, we can definitely bring him on. This is from Axios. Scoop, GOP donors furious with Mitch McConnell. Senator Rick Scott told his colleagues this week, top party donors were furious with the number of Republicans, including Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who voted for the so-called bipartisan infrastructure bill. Two sources familiar with his remarks to Axios as Elena Treen. Scott chairs the National Republican Senatorial Committee. That is McConnell's committee that he uses to defeat conservatives and promote rhinos, which relies on donors to help it elect candidates and reelect incumbents. The criticism highlighted how toxic the vote has become for the 19 Senate and 13 House Republicans who joined with Democrats to pass it. My view, all of them should be defeated. Some of them may be quote unquote friends. I don't care. McConnell's already being lambasted by former President Trump for his vote. The donors complained to Scott it was foolish for any member of their party to help deliver a win to President Biden, $1.2 trillion. Scott was on a donor retreat this month when the House passed the bill, allowing Biden to sign it into law. He relayed the donors' reaction during the Senate Republicans' closed-door conference on Tuesday. Scott delivered the news while giving a presentation regarding the latest internal polling from the NRSC. He added some of the donors had also been paying attention to Trump's statements, one of the sources said, which have included former president calling the Republicans rhinos who should be ashamed of themselves. Well, Trump is right. And again, he represents the vast majority of the Republicans and conservatives in this view. Scott's remarks landed a bit awkward, the second source told Axios, given many in the room not only voted for the infrastructure package, but helped craft it. 
And the day before the lunch, eight Republicans also attended the White House signing ceremony. Who were they? Lisa Murkowski. Shelley Moore Capito. She's a disaster, West Virginia. Robert Portman retiring. Don Young, another disaster from from uh, Alaska. Bill Cassidy, disaster. Susan Collins, disaster. Mitt Romney, schmuck. As well as Tom Reed of New York. During a breakfast hosted by the Christian Science Monitor on Thursday, Rona McDaniel, chairwoman of the Republican National Committee, refused to answer Axios' questions about the bill. She also wouldn't say if it was a mistake for the 32 Republicans to vote for it. She refused to even say the word infrastructure and instead tried to drive the conversation toward Biden. Okay, this is why you love Trump or you love conservatives in the Republican Party who speak out because they're not quizlings. You're the head of the RNC. You should be speaking out and taking a position. And McConnell really screwed us big time. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Thank you, my beloved audience. Grab your copy of American Marxism. Thanksgiving's almost here. And I'll see you tomorrow.